a Lifetime original podcast. When I was in preschool, do you want to know what the song for nap time was? What? It goes, telling me this and telling you that and when I know what you are never. <laughs> that was your nap time song? Very white. Oh, my gosh. Who was your daycare? Like, what? And it would work <laughs> like a charm. <laughs> wow. Hey y'all, welcome to The Table is Ours, the podcast where we talk all things black. That's black talent, black hustle, and black success. I'm here with my remarkable co-host, Kirby Dixon. Hello. And if Kirby were a reporter, if she gave the gossips, mm-hmm. she would report on music news. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> with She'd be very in tune with like what's in, in multiple genres. She's multifaceted. Okay. And the behind the scenes. Like she knows like the gossips, the what's what's going on. Music news is fun. Keeping up with the trends of, of the tunes and the airwaves is, is fun. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. Do I get to go to all the concerts is my question. You do. You do. Okay. That's why it's fun. I will take that, girl. <laughs> and you know who that is. That mm-hmm. is my superb co-host, Amira Lawali. Hey, y'all. And this is very simple. If Amira were a reporter, she would report on pop culture news. Like, duh. You're right. It is the easiest thing. There have been so many moments where I'm lost in the sauce on what's happening in the zeitgeist because I'm not really on my phone like that. And I'm like, yo what happened? Or I'll see Amira post something and be like, wait, when did this happen? <laughs> or she'll be like, this person is controversial. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Since right. when? So I think you keep up. TikTok keeps you up to date. It does. TikTok knows all. Twitter is obviously the number one news platform I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. I think you would have a lot of fun doing it. I think you would have great hot takes, great perspectives. And it would be a lot of fun. I would have a lot of fun. You're right. You're right. Pop culture is fun. In the vein of pop culture news, mm-hmm. it's time to get pop cultured into your life. Oh, gosh. What is the worst date you have ever been on? Okay, I've been on so many bad dates. This is oh, so bad. <laughs> no, it's been very bad. I can tell you where like the worst events have happened. Like, I think it's the worst thing that happened to me on the date. It wasn't the other person. It was me. Mm-hmm. And the first real date that I went on with... Um, Okay, the first date I went on with my fiance, we went indoor skydiving, right? And I... That's a good first date. That's an expensive first date. No, it's a great first date. Let me tell you what happened. I'm clumsy, and I have no, like, control of my body. When you <laughs> indoor skydive, there's, like, a, tons of pressure that puts you up, and you're supposed to exit that t- wind tunnel hands first, okay? No, is it feet going. first? It's feet, hands first. It's... it's. I think it's you, hands first. I've done it before. It's, but you're supposed to land on your feet, okay? I <laughs> pulled myself out of the no gravity place, landed on my face in front of everybody. And you know, there's like kids there. Yeah. It was so bad that like I was, I tried to play it off, and the instructor looked me in the eye. And he was like, Are you sure? That was very bad. <laughs> I've never seen that before. And look at you falling right into his heart. <sighs> it was so bad. You, you know, I knew it would work out. He didn't laugh until like date five or six. He just like played it off. Like he was like, are you okay? And then ignored it. But then like, hor- like horrifically laughed like a month or two later about it. He was like, I thought it was so funny. Honestly, that's one thing. I One thing about me, if something is funny, <laughs> if I know you or not, I'm going to laugh. I am going to hysterically laugh and we're going to laugh together. Yeah. I can't hold it in. There's nothing funnier to me than people falling. Amira, I would have died. I, I, it hurt. I felt bad. I felt unless you were hurt. Yeah. Unless you were straight hurt. Straight on my face. If, if you were hurt, that would have been a different story. But if it you were hurt, laughing, I was more embarrassed than anything. And then I, I, you know, you turn to your left and like, it's like 10 year olds who can do it so well, can float in the air so well. So you're just embarrassed by that. And then they record it. Oh, you have the video? So there's footage? No, girl. For, for this purposes, because I know you know, there's no footage. We couldn't find the footage. Um, there's footage. No, we legit couldn't find the footage. No, there's we footage. couldn't. There is footage. It is in your inbox. You just don't know where it is because I got the same skydiving video and it's somewhere in my inbox, but I don't know where it is. Uh, we looked for it. We think they lost it. I think they lost it. Oh, we got to find it. It was so bad. It was so bad. But what about you? What about you? What was your, what was your worst date experience? I'm going to sound like such a square. What? I hate this for me. I've never had a bad dating experience. Like That's I think- amazing. 
I think you have the magic touch then. No, because I think I was a late bloomer when it came to like actually being like comfortable going on dates. Mm-hmm. So at that point, even though men mature significantly slower than the rest of the universe, I think I was old enough for like people to actually be a little bit more respectful. Yeah. But I've never, or I, I always go for the nice guys. Like I've always done that. Like that's whether I want to or not, whether I admit it or not, I tend to always go for the nice guy. That's amazing. And I've never had like a dating horror story. I've had boring dates or dates where I'm like, this is not going to go anywhere, but they've never been like tragically terrible. <laughs> I've had, I love that for you because <laughs> no, I've it's had, not interesting. Like I don't have that true Hollywood moment. Girl, no, you don't want it. You don't want it because I've had people taking me to strip clubs for my birthday. Strip clubs? Yes. Well, for somebody that might actually be a, a, a turn I've on. had situations where I've, I've gone places and seen the other girl. Like, it's just, yes, it's bad. Oh, see, I don't like that. It could be bad. Well, this was boring because I didn't have a good story to contribute. This is boring just like some of those dates I've been on. (laughs) (laughs) I want to add to the drama. Am I the drama? You're not the drama. It's okay. That's I love that for you. Security. No, like, I, I love... No, it's not boring. TTI, well, listeners, don't think I'm boring. It is not boring. She's her is not boring. <laughs> that is that story. is what you want. You want good things. I mean, but good. I don't, I don't wish a bad day on you at all. Oh, boy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But speaking about dates, I saw one of the worst dates ever on that e-show, Dating No Filter. Have you seen it? Uh, I can't even imagine. Go it ahead. It makes me uncomfortable. It makes me very uncomfortable. But you know what doesn't make me uncomfortable? What? The host on No Filter. She's also one of our favorite guests overall. Yes. Nina Parker. Nina Parker is an American television personality and entertainment news correspondent for E! News. You may also recognize her as a former host of the reunion show for VH1's top-rated franchise, Love and Hip Hop. She's made numerous television appearances as a pop culture expert on shows such as The Wendy Williams Show and The Talk. She's now co-host of the show, Nightly Pop. We stand a booked and busy and check-filled queen, okay? So we sat down with Nina to talk about her persistence in the industry and how she navigated the news world as a Black woman in predominantly white spaces. She also dishes on some of the experiences she had trying to make it in the news world in New York City before her move to pop culture and entertainment news. Nina Parker, let's get into it. We are so excited to have you. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> we like to start every podcast the same way. And that is, what does joy look like for you? Joy looks like for me at this point in the year, uh, rest. <laughs> mm, that's right. I need. Mean, I am working a lot. And uh, so for me, joy looks like being able to have a little time off, mm-hmm. self-care, do exactly what I want to do all day. Um, As opposed to like what I feel like I'm obligated to do. Yes. Okay. But then what does Nina Parker like to do all day? What is, what does that rest look like for you? It's a lot of things. It's like binging shows on Netflix. It's Mm -hmm. sleeping in. What are you watching? I'm watching Selling Sunset right now. I just finished it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm binging. I just finished binging Selling Sunset. And then I do this thing where I, you know, I have to go back and like look at old stuff so then I started watching the first season I'm like really deep diving into Selling Sunset right now so that's my jam (laughs) Um, but you know just like watching TV sleeping in just not having any responsibility even if it's for a day I mean my you know my controlling this probably won't let me go past a couple days without needing to put my hands in something but just having the freedom the freedom to have my my calendar open Yes, I feel that. Yeah. And I know that struggle. Sleeping in for me is like a key, but I can only do it for like one to two days and then yeah. I'm up, out and about. You know what the scam is? The scam is the sleeping in on days where I'm supposed to sleep in, I crack a dawn. Always. Just up with the bird. It's so true. It's so That's true. That's how it happens. 
And when I need to wake up early, I'm like dragging myself out of bed. It's it's horrible. It's a scam. Yeah. I'm definitely like, I, I'm blessed enough to have several rooms in my home. And I have a, a guest room that's kind of like a cave where it doesn't get a lot of light and it's not mm. like near the street. And so when I really need to sleep in, I go in that room, I shut everything and I like, I literally could sleep till one o'clock in the afternoon in that room. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like the coma room. Like you just go in yeah. there and you just <laughs> sleep. So it's like, if I want to get some good sleep, I sleep in that room. Oh my God. I love that. I love that. Well, we're so excited to have you, like Amira said, and we just want to kind of go straight back to the beginning of your career. And Amira and I both know, as you know as well, that getting into the entertainment industry is not easy. It, mm-hmm. In fact, it can be very complicated, very overwhelming, very daunting. And so we just want to ask you, how did you get your foot in the entertainment door? And after you were there, how did you stay with it? Which is another part of the journey that a lot of people don't talk about. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. It's hard. I try not to say things are hard because I feel like when I say things are hard, I am owning that it's hard. And I feel yeah. like it's speaking to the universe and bringing more hard things to me. So I really try to use my words at this point in my career, because I really believe I've manifested a lot of what's happened to me. Yes. Manifestation. Yeah. I really, I mean, it's a testament to it being true because I came in this industry and I literally knew no one. So, and to still have a career like 13 years in the game, I really believe manifestation is real. So I also really try to be very careful with what I say and claim, Mm -hmm. but I will say it is challenging. And sometimes it's easier than there are times that are better than others. And there definitely are a lot of obstacles. And a lot of it is, you know, more than, you know, it's like with internal. I was watching it like a young girl's reel today. And I could tell that she just wasn't comfortable being her whole self in the reel, you know? And it's like a lot of the challenge is just being able to embrace like who you really are. And I've just really been blessed to come across people in my career who have been like, tell us how you feel. Like, what do you, what do you think? And mm-hmm. felt that that was valued and, and give empowered me to, to do more of that and really find my voice and how I want to articulate that to an audience. But to answer your question, I got my start two ways. I feel like, because I got my start kind of in local news right out, you know, in college, being an intern and a production assistant for a local NBC station in the San Francisco Bay area. And then I graduated college and moved to New York and you know, did not do well in that market and came back Mm -hmm. to California, very discouraged and was like out of the business. And then, you know, years later decided to jump back in the business and uh, got my start at TMZ and that, and started from the bottom where, you know, I had to kind of really check my ego. And a lot of this industry is about checking your ego and feeling like, you know, we want to be ready for things that we're really not ready for. And a lot of times we don't want to say yes to things that we feel are beneath us, but there's really nothing beneath you. It's you cultivate your own lane. So, you know, there are most of the places that I was at didn't have the role that I ended up getting. I cultivated it myself with, you know, with my work and work ethic and conversations and networking. So once I was able to really check that, I was really able to thrive. So that's kind of where I got my start was TMZ, started as a runner, getting, you know, lunches and taking out trash. And really just started working my way up the ladder from that point. So let's talk about the move to New York because that's like very <laughs> sensitive to me. <laughs> and you're laughing because I say this all the time. I feel I'm from Houston. So I feel like when I moved to New York, New York hazed me. Mm-hmm. Like it was a brutal beating. Was it a culture shock because of the industry or was it a culture shock because of like kind of New York's vibe? I was really young. I was 23 and broke. Mm. And so I was, I, the, the shock was, Definitely, it was culturally very different from California. I was not prepared for that because I I moved blindly. I did not come see New York first. I just was like, I'm going. Had a friend who had a place. I was renting a room and just went. Um, I don't recommend that. (laughs) (laughs) So it was it was a shock. You know those those small things like weather and you know getting or not knowing anything, not being acclimated, feeling like a fish out of water. But also, honestly, I just wasn't prepared. I just didn't prepare myself the proper way. I didn't prepare myself in any ways for that journey. And my reality reflected that. So it really was less about New York and more about me. Yeah. You talked about being broke. And I feel like being broke in New York is a different type of broke. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, honestly, I'm, I'm having like flashbacks right now. Being broke in New York is, it's not just, it's genuinely terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't at the time, 
it was not good for me. <laughs> it was, you look, being, being broke is not fun, but definitely in that city with, you know, it's very glamorous too. And there's some amazing parts to the city. So to part being, to feel like I couldn't participate in that was also frustrating because I was like, oh, you know, I was very much thinking I was going to be Carrie Bradshaw and I, I very much was not. <laughs> right. Right. Can we blame her? I feel like Carrie owes me a check because she set up so many things that just did not happen. Yeah. And you know, ironically, my first day in New York, I moved, I had all my stuff there. My roommates had sent me a note that's like, hey, we're in the city. Come meet us for dinner for your first night. Told me what subway to get on and how to get there. And as I get off the subway, the first thing I see in, in the city is they're shooting a Sex in the City episode. Of wow. course. And it was, I was like, this is crazy. This is, this is meant to be. It was not meant to be, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was still very cool to see. And Nina, can I ask you the difference between like what made you want to go to New York versus another entertainment capital of the world being LA, if you're already based in, in Sacramento, what was kind of the drive to, to get out of the city? I just really, I had gone through a breakup. I really just was like, I want to get out of California. That'll do it. Yeah. That'll I do was, it. you know, yeah. very early, uh, you know, fresh college graduate. All I had known was, you know, I, my dad is from LA, so I would be in LA a lot. I had roots here. Um, and then I was in San Francisco for college. So for me, I was just like, I feel like I've experienced California. I want to see what it's like. I didn't go away for school. So I was like, let me see what it's like in New York and see what New York is hitting for. And I, you know, that's where MTV was. And I just was like, that's where I need to be. Um, I thought I was going to be like a BJ. So I just, <laughs> I really wanted to just experience that life. And I will say Sex and City did play a part in it. I believe that. that show, it just, <laughs> I, they honestly, they should pay my student loans. <laughs> it's their fault. I'm here, but it's okay. It all worked out. <laughs> Seeing you is such an inspiration and it feels mm -hmm. like you are so fearless and you move so fearlessly through this industry. Like Kirby and I both know how difficult it is. And I'm like, if anybody's going to keep it real, Nina's going to keep it real. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I will. And you've spoken so openly about it, like the challenges that you face on your come up through this industry. So can you walk us through like, what were the difficult moments as you were coming up in this industry? I mean, they don't go away. You know, I have them yeah. now. Like, I think we uh, subscribe to this idea that once we get to a certain point in life, things get better. I think it's a falsehood to always subscribe to thinking that like, once we get to a certain point, problems will go away. Like once mm -hmm. I make I'm in the best place of my life financially. I'm in the best place, you know, that I've been with my career. I still have, you know, challenges. So they change, but they don't go away and responsibilities increase. And you know what I mean? It's all relative problems. Um, mm -hmm. So I would say taking away the falsehood of like, when I get here, I'll be okay. Uh, you have to be okay. Like now, like yeah, you have yeah. to find a way to be good now, even if you're saying I have these challenges, finding a way to mentally be like, okay, I'm okay, or I'm going to find a way to be okay. Because, you know, this there, it, to me, I think it's a fairy tale to think like one day it will be, you know, a, a place where you won't have difficulties because you always will. And, you know, health problems happen, things happen to where you're riding a wave and then something kind of throws you off. You have to kind of know how to be prepared to deal with that. Um, so for me, like, yes, my difficulties are different than they were when my career first started because I didn't know anybody. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely dealt with, as we all have, I'm sure, being an opinionated Black woman and being a plus size opinionated Black woman, because people feel like if your waist is not a size two, your, your, the value of your opinion should matter. It should matter a lot less, which is crazy to me. So, you know, there's those, that challenge will probably always be constant. And I struggle even now with like, how much emotion am I going to show? Like, you know, those types oh. of things, because it's like, yeah. are people going to understand that this is passion or can I be direct? And this directness, you know, how is it going to be received? And then there's a part where you're just like, people don't have to just receive it how I give it because I can't consistently be concerned with everybody else. I think there becomes a point, especially for me, just as I've gotten older, where I've just been like, those who love it are going to love it. And those who don't, don't have to get it. I am no longer in a place where I feel like everybody needs to see or understand where I'm coming from. Where earlier in my career, I really was hurt, especially like when I did Love and Hip Hop. Mm -hmm. I was really hurt by some of the comments from fellow Black women about like my appearance or, you know. What were people saying? I don't even think I realized. Oh yeah, there was a lot of criticism. I mean, I got, you know, I mean, I think with an audience that's so devoted 
it's natural for them to be invested in certain people and you know they want to defend the people they love or they want to want you to ask certain questions but I have no uh you know bearing over what how things are edited or what they include and what they don't like our reunions we would film for like we would get in at eight o'clock and not wrap till two in the morning so what they choose to include is completely on them and so sometimes people would feel like their questions weren't answered or that I was, you know, asking a question that made their fave look bad or whatever the case may right. be. But the criticisms that were for questions never bothered me. The criticisms would not be criticisms. And it just is what it is sometimes in the Black community where, you know, folks are going to talk about you. They go, you know, talk about you. I didn't like what you did, so I'm going to insult your appearance or, you know what I mean? And right. for me, I, I always thought I'm doing what we were brought up to do. I'm a Black woman. I went to school. I, you know, I'm, I'm on my business. I'm, I'm law abiding. I, you yeah. know what I'm saying? I believe in God. Like, this is what y'all are telling us good women are supposed to be. And I'm, I'm educated. I'm all these things. I'm here for us. I'm a champion of black people. Mm-hmm. Aren't they all, aren't they automatically supposed to love me? Yeah. Yes. So when I didn't get that, it was very jarring. I was like, wait, they mad at me because I'm doing my job. And it didn't, it hurt me just because it was women who look like me. Mm-hmm. where I felt like, oh, we would be friends, you know, if I saw you. And I was like, you really are mad at me for, for doing my job. And it really did, probably for the first year, it really hurt because I was just like, dang, I have like my own people tearing me down and telling me to go kill myself and yeah, telling yeah. me, you know, and I'm like, I, what am I doing so wrong? I'm trying to be a representation of women who look like me in a positive way. And it really messed with my head for a little bit. And then I had to, I had to learn how to, be like, I got to be unapologetically me. I'm going to do my job. Not everybody's going to love it. That's okay. And I had to come to terms with the fact that not everybody who looks like me is going to be, be supportive of me. And I had to be okay with that. Right. Yeah. Nina, I have a question for you about that because I feel like everyone wants to be famous in the spotlight, have a lot of money, but not everybody knows how to handle being in the spotlight, being famous, having a lot of money. And I feel like you kind of catapulted to the front and you obviously working a lot behind the scenes, but becoming like less known to being in mainstream white media, right? Right. But you're talking about Mm -hmm. being hurt by these commentary and cyberbullying is a real thing. Yeah. What did you do to kind of overcome and get over those negative comments? Like, was it your village or was it you just being like, you know what, this is my dream and I'm going to keep pushing with it and just ignore the negativity? It was all of that. You know, I have a really solid family. Like my family is is really solid and connected and tight knit and really down. Like they're real ones. And I was raised by a king and queen, you know, and they taught me self-worth at a very early age. And my dad, just from a very early age, was just always like, you're a warrior. Like, you're gonna, you're like, you built from warriors. You built from kings and queens. Like, he just always made me feel like I could get through anything. So that kind of comes into play. Um, but I also allow myself to be hurt, which for, for a while I wasn't allowing it. Yeah. And I just allow myself to, like, be hurt, cry, be like, why is, why is this like this? Why is this difficult? Or this should feel different. And um And then, you know, I have really good close girlfriends who are just, you know, sometimes you need a girlfriend that's like, F them, girl. Like, you know, (laughs) you need a girlfriend that's like, we don't care. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't, you know, like I, I got to keep my jobs. So I can't go back and forth. And that's really humbling because I'm from the Bay Area. Uh, You know, I had a whole wild side of life before TV and to be quite honest, if any, if I was just, I'm just not a back down type of person. So if somebody was to say something to me, it's like, oh, okay, what's popping? So it's very difficult to have that upbringing and get to a place where you cannot react or you could lose your job. And right. it was literally to the point where there were times where I had to put my phone down and I would be like, they don't know me. Like, it would be like, because you want to say, you know, people would insult my mother like people would say things that like in your face yeah they these deep cuts deep yeah. cuts in your face you'd be like well I guess I gotta get locked up today today is the day um but you know you you can't do that and the thing is is like tweets they live forever these things live forever mm-hmm. and I had to make the decision that 
a lot of people who made the choice, like I don't wake up in the morning and think, what can I go get into on Instagram? What comments can I get under? Like, I don't, my, my brain doesn't even operate like that. Yeah, right. And I had to make the decision that anybody that woke up that way, who just, who's fighting in comments, we, we're not on the same wavelength. Like we, yeah. we, we are not really in the same maturity realm. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, fair criticism, I accept that. But it's different between getting criticism and getting people just insulting you for holding space. And right. so those people, I felt like I'm just paying you dust. Like I can't, I'm really blessed. And you, your blessings sometimes really offend people because you show them with what potential they could have if they wanted to do the work. And what it really does is I feel like people sometimes who don't want to do the work but want to make excuses, find a way to try to make you feel less than because of what they're lacking. And, right. um, you know, and I, and I just had to chalk it up to that and I prayed about it. And, and honestly, once you hear something enough, it stops affecting you as much. And then you also realize that you're blessed and, you know, I'm, we're blessed just to be healthy in, after 2020. Yeah. So it yes. just stopped affecting me. And, you know, I grew into a place where I just didn't, I genuinely don't care anymore. Yeah. But it took years of that, you know, and now it's just, I'm not a complete Teflon, but I'm close. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I feel like you're speaking to me because I got, I want to award this one that I'm very proud of. And one of my closest friends. Okay, Nina, hold on. Was... She, Amira, I'm going to give her a moment. Amira was deemed one of Forbes 30 under 30. So if you feel the excitement. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. And when the, I got a call from one of my good friends, and I'm, I'm a firecracker, okay? <laughs> I, 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 I bite that. Amir, I'm a, what's your sign? What sign are you? I'm a Capricorn. Okay. Oh, you guys are feisty. My sister's a Capricorn. I'm very little, feisty. And I'm very direct. <laughs> and so I got a call from my good friend and she was like, so excited for you, but you know what this means though. And I was like, what? And she was like, you need to like chill and shut up. Like, she was like, I know you and I know you're going to post. Do not post stunning on these b- and I was like, oh, you're right. I was going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, you got a job. You can't do that. So thank you for reminding me. Yes. But I don't, I don't, I don't think, I think you could actually post that and be, I was just talking to a friend of mine um, who's executive, who just got an executive producer job and I'm going to take her out to dinner to celebrate. And she was just like, I got to remember to celebrate the wins. Cause you know, I yes. we forget, especially as black women. And I was like, yeah, that's that. Like you could, it's like, I, I believe in like, you know, I believe in being humble, but I also believe like, Sometimes as black women, like we, nobody celebrates us. And like a lot of times when I get anything, the only people in my comments positive, um, and these are obviously people who follow me who, so they, they like me to some extent, (laughs) the only people I see are black women. So I feel like, you know, we gotta sometimes be a little cocky. That's okay. Like it's deserved. I I don't mind it. I totally agree with you. Yes. Celebrate with black women. It is totally (laughs) This is the perfect celebration. Hey y'all, when we come back, Nina reveals the unlikely show that fought for her voice to be heard in the industry. You don't want to miss it. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. I have a quick question, though. When you were first getting into the entertainment space, did you always know you wanted to be a host? Or was it your kind of time taking out the trash with TMZ that you were like, oh, I could do this better than them. (laughs) Or I could do this as good as well as them. Like, what got you into the hosting space? 
Yeah, I always wanted to host. I mean, my dream when I first went to college was to be like a local news anchor. I could actually see you as a local news anchor. (laughs) I can see it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I have expanded out of that, but I definitely wanted to do it when I was in college. I like to curse too much, so I probably wouldn't do well in that space, (laughs) but uh, maybe late night television is where I I find my home, uh, like I am with Nightly Pop, but I always wanted to be in front of the camera. I did give up on my dream after my experience with New York and I thought, oh, okay, I'll just be a producer. It's fine. Um, When I was at TMZ, Harvey Levin asked me to pitch for the pilot of the show because I had started there when it was just a website. So Mm -hmm. he was like, hey, we're going to be doing the show. I really want you to pitch. I think you're funny. And I was like, no, thank you. Like, I don't, you know, I had kind of said I wasn't going to, you know, I'd given up because this is like 2007 and everybody like this is really before inclusivity. This is before body positivity. Yes. This is before, yeah. none of that is being talked about and everybody is expected to look like a blonde Barbie. And like, if you're in LA, you know, like even the newscasters look like they're playboy models. So you're like, mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't fit in here. I'm not accepted yeah. here. So I just was like, no, that's okay. And he was like, no, I'm not asking like you're going, you're going to pitch for this show. And he said to me, like, there are women who want to hear what you have to say. Okay, see, this is allyship. That's allyship before it even was, like, this trendy word. That's what allyship looks like. It was. And listen, he he had his moments that he was not an ally. But Mm, he... You're right. Keep me humble. Yep. I, 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 you know, and and all for the sake of, of the greater good for his sight. But I will say, personally if we're talking one-on-one and I can only speak from my experience because I know others there have had their experiences, but personally he had always been very open about wanting to hear my voice, mm-hmm. wanting my voice to come across, giving me opportunities to get, you know, get be heard, throwing me things that sometimes people will come to him and say, Oh, could you do this radio show? And he'd be like, let Nina do it. You know? So I will mm-hmm. say that he helped me cultivate TMZ definitely helped me cultivate what I wanted to say in a real voice. And he was definitely the first person who gave me a shot at a national television show and was very much like, you're doing this. Right. And the rest is really honestly history. Like he gave me my big break and I can never take that away from him. I love that. Did that pitch like reignite your drive? Like, did it like, like bring you back? Like, was there a moment that I was like, oh, I'm still here. Yeah, I would say like, I was scared to death doing it. And Mm -hmm. then- you know, I'll never forget uh, the first time I got recognized, I was in a like a grocery store. And I think our show had only been on like two weeks. Wow. And I was literally chopping and someone was like, oh, I saw you on TMZ. And I was like, what? Like I had never been recognized in my life. And I was like, <laughs> and it was a woman. And she was like, I really love what you had to say. And I was like, and that's kind of a high because mm. to have a woman come up to you and be like, I love what you said. Like, that's what I would have said you feel like, okay, I really am like kind of making a difference by just being here. And, you know, and that really, that is probably what ignited it. Not doing it, the reception from women, especially at the time, because there weren't really any representations of plus women on TV, that definitely meant a lot. I love that. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. We kind of want to move forward in that, just like we talk about the tale of two Americas, which we know far too well, there's also like this tale of two Hollywoods, right? So we've touched on it a little bit. There's a black Hollywood. There's a the white mainstream Hollywood. And we've kind of watched your career go from, you know, like you're saying, love and hip hop, which we all know what that audience is, (laughs) looks like you and I, to kind of now being on E and all these incredible things that people are like, wow, like now I really know. I thought I knew who Nina Parker was, but now I really know who Mm -hmm. Nina Parker is because I see her on the shows that I'm watching, I being white America. I want to know, was that kind of jump and that shift intentional? Like, how did that happen? Well, I was at TMZ before I was at Love and Hip Hop, which I believe is mainstream like media. And then after TMZ, I went to The Insider, which is on CBS. So I really had done that jump before I even did Love and Hip Hop. So I already had a main, what we call mainstream audience already knew me from those two places. I was on CBS. I was working with Kevin Frazier. um, And at the time it was Brooke Anderson. And I was doing like red carpet interviews and doing, you know, like all of those things. And then I I didn't do Love and Hip Hop till after I left CBS. So it really wasn't a intentional anything. It was like this, I'm doing what I'm interested in. Right. And so it all with my career kind of mixed. I never, I've never just done one thing. I've always kind of 
went, took to things that I just felt compelled to do. And so I never really worried about where the network was. It, it was more of the show that it was that attracted me. And so I was just like, I did have other hosts be like, oh, like, I don't know if you should take Love and Hip Hop. Like no other host on a mainstream show was doing reality reunions. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. And so now they all doing them. You know what I mean? Like they're buying for them. And right. they probably gave, they all gave me shit for probably like two years. And then they all were like, we, we could actually be doing this. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like it was, I, it just was never a thought to me. I was like, I feel like when you look at Hollywood love triangles, they have the same dynamics as things that happen on love and hip hop. Like I look at, you know, the, the Travis Courtney Scott situation that could be a level of pop plot line. Talk about this, yeah. So, so I just felt like <laughs> black folks deserve to tell these stories, but more importantly, my job is more to be able to say, "Let me come in as a journalist and ask questions that I feel like people want to hear and get real responses, as opposed to you know motion fueled responses, which you can't dictate how people respond. So you're not right. always going to get that, and people aren't always going to have the emotional capacity to articulate where how they're really feeling because they're hurt. But I felt like I owed it to myself to try to be that person to do it, whether it failed or not. And so I never was really concerned about like where it was landing, whether it was VH1 or CBS or E. I just kind of was like, what interests me right now? And where where am I creatively right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm going to be honest. When I started in the industry, people weren't clear that mainstream means white. And it really triggered me when I first got to this part. Like Kirby and I are both execs on the network side. So if you're in meetings and people would say mainstream, I just want people to say what they mean. Right. Like right. if you mean middle America, white America, say what's white. the audience you're looking but for. But when you right. say middle America, there are black and brown people. Like say what you right. mean. And so just them being a white people even de- default has always, it just annoys me in every meeting. Yeah. And I, I've like had to just get past it, but it like real, like it took forever not to say something. Yeah. Just hearing it like in the landscape of TV, like we know what they mean when they say yeah. middle America. Absolutely. And you know what they mean when they say urban. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But it's, it's also so like bad. mainstream is so personal. Mainstream, yeah. what middle America is watching is not mainstream to me. I, I could care less what they're watching. Urban is probably what I'm watching. <laughs> and urban, so, the thing yeah. is, is like, if you look at these ratings, urban is killing mainstream. So, yeah. you know, and honestly, like, we've always watched, Black folks watch everything. They so, sure like, do. how we were just talking about how we watch Selling Sunset. Like, we don't just watch Real Housewives of Atlanta. And and to be honest, that's not even my favorite franchise. Wait, what's your favorite franchise? You know, I probably like Real Housewives of New York the best. Wait, New York is still your favorite? <laughs> not anymore, but it was for okay. probably until Bethany left. It was probably my favorite. Okay, I'm with you on that. I'm on Potomac right now. And now, now. it's Potomac. Yeah, it's now totally it's Potomac. Wait, okay, Detour, can we talk about how I am so <laughs> proud of these ladies? No one was rooting for that franchise. First season... Yeah. Those yeah. wigs, a lot. But still, no one believed yeah. in them. What? Yeah. They're owning the whole network. I was one. I was like, who is Potomac? Where are they coming from? I am so proud of them. It took a while for me to warm up, but they came yes. through the building and shut it and down. they came with the drama, okay? And that's what <laughs> Black women do. You know, we are underestimated and then we come through. And so, but I feel like, you know, and what I've talked to even my network about is like, you know, if you build a show, people will watch it. Like, people aren't going to... You're not going to just specifically not tune in. Like they'll tune in, but they have to feel like you care about them to tune in. Mm-hmm. Like they need to feel like you truly are. And and we know when it's a gotcha type of program and when it's like a genuine investment in our culture. So I think, you know, people are smart enough to see what's transparent and what's not. And so that's just what's really important to me is like making sure I, it could be wherever. But to me, mainstream is we mainstream, honestly. Mm-hmm. You spoke about this a bit earlier and you, I struggle with it too, that I am extremely passionate. And as I've grown, I realized people can take that as like, you want to say it's anger or like, it's just too much for people to handle. Yeah. And for a while I struggled with like how I show up to my job Mm -hmm. and my job is mostly like our industry behind the scenes is mostly white. Like it's growing and making changes, but it's mostly white. So I sometimes feel a little scared coming as my full self, a full black woman, a full figure black woman to the stage and I've just gotten to a point where I've accepted that. So I'm wondering, was there a point where you didn't bring your full self or you had to alter your full self into these rooms that we sit in? Well, you know, I felt like I had really evolved into my full self at TMZ, like I was opinionated. And then when I went to CBS, everything that I felt like TMZ wanted to bring out of me, they wanted me to hide. I felt like they were like, oh, you're too opinionated. 
don't ask these questions. Don't do this. There were conversations about my hair. There were things that made me feel like, uh, I was just like, okay, y'all don't like me because (laughs) everything about me, you want to change and you want to tweak how I speak. And so I went through this really weird space where I struggled so hard to find out who I was and who my voice was. And then I went to another place and they didn't like it. And I was just like, how is this going to work? And then I had to be like, I think I'm going to have to be okay with this place not being for me. Like, mm-hmm. I can't continue. I was like dying. Like, I was like, I can't continue to be this other person. Like, the real me is like, come on, like, get out of here. Yeah, so right. I, I had, and then, you know, I, I was still very young at the time. So you struggle, especially because you're like, I fought so hard to get this position. I yeah. fought so hard to get this job. There ain't nobody else here that's black that looks like me. People are going to be disappointed if I walk away from this shit and I be grateful that I'm here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I had to be like, I have to be true to myself to be happy. Like my happiness is my job. What is, yeah. if this is not making me happy and, and this is clearly a place that is not going to change, then I've got to remove myself from a situation that no longer feels like it's serving my growth. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. And I, I'm like, it almost makes me emotional because I feel like I'm at a crossroads now where we're questioning, you know, our space in this industry. We're questioning, you know, what role do we play in this world in the entertainment mm-hmm. space? And mm-hmm. I, I look back to the time when I first started out in the industry and like how much of myself I was afraid to show. And now right. like years later, it's like I'm hosting a, a black podcast for a very white network. And I'm saying things on this, you know, this platform that I probably would have been literally so afraid to say <laughs> um, even like five years ago. So hearing you kind of say that and watching you go through a parallel journey is really special and means a lot more to me than I think you even know because it's like wow we've really stepped into our own shoes and become and found ways to navigate these white spaces and be unapologetically ourselves and either you like it or you don't and you stay or you leave and I think even now I mean when I left CBS it was 2014 so I think even now there's even better chance to be embraced as Mm -hmm. who you are you know what I mean like it's still not an amazing place. Like there's still so much ground that needs to be covered, but I would say probably right now it's there. I I feel at least you're being heard. We're being heard a little bit more, at least that, that the conversations are happening where before I felt like I couldn't even have the conversation. It was like shut down, you know, and my experience was not, my experience was not good. And me leaving was not my choice. Like they, they let me go. And it was just like, we want you to be this. I was like, I'm not going to be that. And they were like, okay, then we don't see a future for you here. And I would say I probably knew I was going to be let go like three months before. And I cried for three months. And then like the third month, I was like, all right. Now I've already I'm, mourned this part of life. Yeah, exactly. I mourned it. Yeah. yeah. I, I mourned it. I hit my age and I was like, what are we about to do, girl? Because I knew I wasn't going to be able to change. And I knew that they weren't going to be able to accept that. So I was, I already started making a move. So when they had sat me down and had that conversation about not renewing my contract, I was already at peace with it. And I think they were shocked. They were like, are you cool? And I was like, yeah, girl, I'm fine. Like they were, they wanted me to be more emotional. And I just was like, I, I accept it. And I, I, that, that is when I got love and hip hop. Right. Mm. So that at losing that job led to me getting love and hip hop because when I was so out of it, I sent Mona an email. I, I knew a PR person that knew Mona mm-hmm. and I reached out and said, Hey, if you ever get tired of doing the reunions, I just shot, did shoot my shot. And uh, like, if you get tired of doing the reunions, here's my reel. Um, I, I'm really interested in doing this. And I left CBS. And then I kid you not, a couple months later, she called me and was like, hey, do you want to do these reunions? So I think sometimes when you just step out on faith and just kind of let go, things come to you that serve you better. And I haven't looked back and, you know, it was not having that contract renewed was exactly what I needed at that moment to step into who I was supposed to be. Mm, that is such a word. What's meant to be will be. Yeah. You know, I have a question for you that Amir and I have actually been itching to ask you. So you're in the pop culture space, right? And we're all about representation and, you know, being what you can see. But what does a boundary and setting boundaries look like in your position? Like, do you feel a little bit more protective over perhaps black talent that you bring or speak to? And you're kind of like, no, that's a boundary for me. I'm not going to discuss X, Y, and Z topic that I know will trigger said person, even though it might be 
a viral moment for the internet? Like, how do you kind of set that boundary being in the pop culture space? Well, I don't allow anybody I'm interviewing to dictate how I'm going to do my job. So hello. Okay. If I'm interviewing you, I'm going to interview you and I'm going to be respectful. I think I built a reputation for being ethical and I'm not a gotcha type of person. Mm -hmm, And there's never really been a time where you can have go back and look at interviews or anything that I've done where someone said, oh, she came out of left field with that. Or, you know, she really shouldn't have asked this question. But I do think that there is something to be said for being a public figure and having a life and people being able to talk to you about it. And I kind of feel like if you're not willing to be transparent, I'm probably not the person you should be speaking with. Hello. Because I value that. And I think the people who support me want that from me when I do my job. And that's why I'm being sent in there. Most of the time, the people that I ask these questions with are comfortable because they know I'm not doing it to, you know, do a gotcha game or for clickbait, but for genuine understanding. And also you just have to get ahead of it. If you're involved in it, you've got to do something to give your piece. And so this is the opportunity to to do that. And social media has kind of changed that landscape a lot. But for the most part, I think, especially when I was doing a ton of interviews, that's kind of people knew like Nina's not going to do you dirty. And that was kind of just kind of known in the industry and why I think I've been able to have longevity because I've never felt like selling out someone or hurting someone for a story was worth my reputation because I feel like news cycles change in 24 hours. I'm not going to jeopardize my reputation or my relationships for a story that nobody will remember the next day. I'm just not going to. Mm-hmm. So there's things I haven't done and things I haven't run, but for the most part, like, you know, if I, if I'm talking to sweetie, am I going to mention little baby? Probably. Probably. Yeah. yeah probably. You know, yeah. In, in the best, most respectful way, but like you post something on Instagram. Yeah. I'm, okay, I'm going to bring this up because you posted it. Right. You know, it's another thing if we're talking about Rihanna, if I interview Rihanna, I would not ask her about pregnancy rumors because I feel like that's nobody's business. That's nobody's exactly. business. That's nobody's business is so evasive, invasive. And yeah, I hate that, that type of reporting where people are posting before the, we don't know what she's dealing with, what medical issues she could exactly. be dealing with. It's inappropriate. And so that like that, I would never do. So I think at this point in my career, people expect a certain level of integrity from me. And I, mm-hmm. I, you know, want to be as forthcoming about that. Like, I'm not trying to hurt you, but also I need to be respected while I'm doing my job as well. Yeah, I think Amir and I both kind of looked at you in a way as a prototype when we were thrown into this position because this podcast was our idea. But originally, we weren't supposed to host it. I've never mm. hosted a thing in my life. Amira's <laughs> never hosted a thing in her life. Um, so when being thrown into the the spotlight, so to speak, and be the voice of the podcast, we looked at people that we respected, their interviewing oh. styles. And you were one of them because it's like you're someone that we can relate to. You're someone that gets... The information out, but <laughs> yeah. in a respectful way and, and in a way that people don't feel offended by the way in which you asked a question. It just doesn't feel out of left field. And we said the same thing. It was a boundary for us. This yeah. is not a gotcha podcast. We want to have real right. conversations. Right. If something comes out of it, fantastic. That means we right. did a really good job at making people feel comfortable. And if it Absolutely. doesn't, you roll with the punches. So thanks for being an example for young new hosts. Oh, thank you guys. That makes me feel... That makes me feel good. Sometimes the only validation you get is from people who, you know, are peers or, you know, people who are doing it too. Um, Because I will say hosting sometimes is a thankless job. You know, there's a lot of people who, you know, you're, you you don't, you don't know if it's good or people loved it or whatever, you know, it's like, there's a lot and everybody wants to be a host or thinks they can be a host. And it's just not an easy thing to do. So, you know, that's, it's not, it's not an easy thing. You are great because this has been a journey for us. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk to Nina about love. Like we've been itching to talk about love. Okay. So now it's going to get a little bit juicy, right? So Amir and I talk about black love pretty frequently on this podcast. We love black love. We love seeing examples of black love. And for someone who is ingrained in gossip culture, we do have to ask, does the gossip ever follow you particularly in the love space? <laughs> you know, it ha- it hasn't really, which has been great. I It's so crazy because, of course, like, I am in entertainment, but I am very private. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people still don't know a lot about me, I would say. Like, I'm open, but, like, not. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and especially, like, on my social media, I really only post about work. Like, it's very rare that you'll even see pictures of my friends. You know, I just like to protect the people. That's the goal, man. Yeah, I like to yeah. protect the people that I care about if I can. And, you know, it, it peaks out. But, like, Agreed. I like to be pretty private. But like, yeah, I'm dating for sure. I'm not like 
in love with anyone. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm, I'm dating. I'm, I'm just honestly just having fun, having a really good time going on fun dates, just having adventures. Uh, you know, I'm, I spend a lot of time in New York because of my clothing line, the Nita Parker collection. We're going to get to that. Yes. I'll come back to it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I have not had a lot of people intrigued about like people in my DMs obviously are like, who is, are you dating? Are you doing this? But for the most part, no, I've been left alone, which is great because I, I get to move in silence. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Because we were like, is dating in Hollywood as messy as it seems online? We got, hello, Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson. Uh, but yeah. is it is it literally as challenging as it looks? It is. It is. It's not. It's like, look, I was in a long-term relationship until 2019. I was in like a seven-year relationship. And so dating was new to me in 2020. And then the pandemic happened. And it really just changed the the scope of dating. And I was newly single. So I was like, this is like, I can't even normally, I would just go out and now I can't do that. And I had never done like app dating. And so it was just like trying to navigate in a in single space during quarantine was definitely challenging, mm-hmm. especially at the beginning, because we didn't know what was going on or, you know, we, we didn't know how, we didn't know what the right. hell was going on. It's like, you can't trust it. I couldn't trust you before. I really can't trust you yes. now at all. <laughs> yes. Yes. So it was interesting. Speaking of apps, which apps are you on? Are you on Raya? Are you on the lead? I, I am, I am only on Raya. I am on okay, Raya. Okay, good. As you should be. <laughs> you need to be on the Tinder or hot or not, whatever is still no, there. No, I'm not on the, like the hinges or the bumbles or the, tw- I did try them out at one point during quarantine just because. I wasn't going out. It just was a very creepy space. Yeah, I would say, I don't think you could do that. Yeah. Like, especially creepy as like a curvy woman, but there, because there's a lot of people who have like fetishes and things like that. Yeah. And so it's like, you're very much not being treated like in a, a, a person. Yeah. You know, you can, you can just tell. And I, I do believe in black love. My parents are still married, but I don't just say black men. And I think in LA, you just can't. There's just... Like the black men in LA are not just saying black women. <laughs> they, exactly. They yeah. have wide they have widened their scope, which is fine. And I have done the same. So right. <laughs> yes, I love this. The energy is returned. It's all good. And so yeah, I, I mean, I have a very healthy dating life because I don't date just black men. I, mm-hmm. I have a very I, I date a lot because of that. I think if I was just dating black men, my it would definitely be a smaller pool. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I don't discriminate and I do have girlfriends who don't want to do that and mm-hmm. they don't have the same experience as me, but mm-hmm. you know, and I respect that. Um, but I'm, that for me in these LA streets, that's not going to get it. <laughs> I totally hear that. <laughs> Someone literally told me, they're like, you need to get married before you go to LA. And I was like, marriage? <laughs> what are we talking about? And they're like, yes. it's not going to happen. And I was like, mm. San Francisco in particular from what I hear, but <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, listen, I, actually had a really I mean I was in college but dating in the Bay Area was amazing um see I've never heard that experience oh it was I had a fantastic dating experience in the the Oakland area but Mm. you know I've never really had a problem dating I just really never had a problem and I don't know what it is but I've also tried to be very open about a lot of things like I have a lot of openness um and understanding about like where people are at and things like that and I don't try to make people be something that they're not yeah, I think that's the key, though, because I feel like a lot of people say they're open. They're not. They want this height mm-hmm. requirement. Yeah. They want this job. They want this salary. They right. want this yeah. family dynamic. And yeah. it people aren't perfect. Like, none of us are perfect. Especially because those guidelines you set, you'll get sent the opposite. And then smack, scammed into love. And then you're <laughs> Or you realize that's not actually what you wanted. Right. And I think sometimes knowing what you don't want helps you figure out what you do want, you know? Just so, like a career. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. Is, it's just like that. And I, I'm not perfect, you know what I mean? And so I try not to do things like that I feel like are shallow because I feel like I don't want someone to be shallow with me. But I do have boundaries as far as like financial, you know, I'm, I'm grown, grown. So, you know, you got to kind of be where you're supposed to be. I am not at the age where I can date potential. Like I, I did that in my twenties. That's only my real boundary is like, you know, someone who has security because I have that. So if you, I have that, you have to have it. Hashtag no broke boys. <laughs> hey, <laughs> never. Bye. <laughs> Don't even speak. Let's not even speak that into the atmosphere. <laughs> We're not doing that in 2022, baby. Nah, we, no, we, yeah, we let that go a long time ago. <laughs> I hope y'all learned before I did. I, it took me a very long lesson 
to learn that. Also, I, if you guys are learning now, then this is perfect timing. Mm-hmm. I feel like I knew that at a very young age. I, I'm not going to say like middle school, but I was saying, I was saying some mean things to some broke boys in middle school. And I was like, you don't have money now, but I was like, I can see the future. Not premeditated brokenness, Amira. What? Not a crystal ball. Not a crystal ball of brokenness. I said, you cannot afford me in 10 years. You, girl, we are not the same. <laughs> okay, Miss Cleo. <laughs> but we do want to ask you before we kind of end this conversation, Nina, you talked about your clothing line, which, oh my gosh. Speaking of, before we even knew that you were coming on the show, Karen and I got an opportunity to host something for A&E. And I, like you tweeted that day, a dress, and I got it. So it's here. Yes. It's in my room. <laughs> it's still in its Macy's bag, but it's oh, on my bed. It? It's okay. on my bed. Okay, I love it. I love it. And I'm going to wear it for our shoot. So, I yeah. love it. <laughs> Aside from that, like, what's next? Like, what is next on the horizon for Nina Parker? What are you manifesting? You know, I don't ever talk about that. Like, it's, I never really talk about what, what's next for me. Unless it's like a project, obviously, that I've already done and I can promote it. I just truly don't believe in talking about, like, what I'm manifesting because it really is serious to me. And it's it's something for me that's really... Um, private, but and this is just my process. But my process is like the things I'm really working on manifesting, I really hold close to the chest because my manifestation is a process. It's not just like a once a day thing. Like it's something that I really think about. Like I, if I want like something, I really see myself in it. Yeah. And I I envision like how it would feel like before I got to E, I would envision like how, how would it feel to like sit in this chair or film this or like really put myself in the moment. And, and it's a very like spiritual thing for me. Like, so yeah. it's hard for me to share that with people mm-hmm. because for one, people think you're crazy, but also like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's worked for me. And so I always feel like sometimes you have to keep things close to the chest because while there are people that will pray for you, I also feel like there are people that will use those opportunities to, you know, send not the best, most positive vibes. But I will say that that (laughs) it's true. You know, you got to be careful with that. And, you know, like your parents would tell you as a kid, like not everybody's your friend and there's not everybody that, you know, as much as you have people wishing you well, there are also people who aren't happy about your success. And so for the, for that reason, I, I'm pretty private about it, but I will say that I am, obvi- I'm always working on the next thing. I'm always working on like two, three years ahead. That's just how I operate. Mm-hmm. And this is, we're talking about being able to celebrate wins. I have to focus on the now because often I'm like, you know, as far as my clothing line, I'm already working on the fall of 2022. Yes. So excited. Yes. We're already working on that. And so that's already, I'm, so I'm almost in 2023 right now with it. Wow. But yeah, we're, I'm always working on it. The clothing line is doing really well for Macy's and succeeding, you know, their expectations. And again, it'll, you know, we're dropping once a month all now until next year, things are, you know, consistent. It's a standing clothing line there. So it wasn't just like a one-time thing. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm hoping to manifest a lot of things to come to fruition from that. Oh, that's I so exciting. It. <laughs> it's so exciting. I can't wait to try this dress on. But yeah. that's just- <laughs> you got you to gotta make sure you send me pictures, sis. I want to see. I will send yes. you pictures. I was like, I need a dress for power of like where I'm going to feel good in. And then you literally tweeted it like two minutes later. I said, that's it. Yeah. So- I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> what was your inspiration for doing the clothing line? Honestly, I I had a really horrible relationship with fashion because I just, you know, being on camera and being over a size 10, it was just, you know, like my counterparts at Eve were able to like, they have like a lot of places where you can go to like these, these beautiful, like the style galleries where you can go and pull and you go, you pull, you wear the outfit, they send it to dry cleaning, they send it back to the company. I wasn't able to participate in that because they didn't have anything that fit, you know, my size. And so I would have to, you know, either bring something from home or order something from like, you know, a cheap thing from online. And I started to get frustrated. I was like, dang, there's no options for me. And I had to wear clothes on camera Monday through Friday. So you can't repeat the outfit. Right. So I started like literally tailoring it, putting, I would take a belt from one thing, put it on the other, cut the arms off, put a mesh mesh long sleeve shirt underneath like me and my stylist really started to like genuinely make things and she found like a a a woman on Instagram who could sew so we would literally send stuff to her and be like can you make this and that's really how it started it was literally out of frustration me and my stylist were literally doing that for clothes and for shoes like she would find little feather boas and put them on my shoes and we were just making my looks 
because she was like, we got to have you looking cute on TV. Like we're not going to be constricted by these three websites that serve you. So that's really how it started. You see, I completely relate to that because when this podcast started and I realized they were recording us, <laughs> tell me why I literally only wore sweatshirts last season. Yeah. Because it was just so uncomfortable. Like I couldn't figure yeah. out the best way to present myself that would be on camera. It, it messes me for a while. Like it, yeah. it's so hard. So thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, I just wanted to give, you know, the options and for the clothing line, you know, there's, there's like suits and there's dresses, but there's also cozy wear, there's joggers. There's just a little bit of everything and things you can dress up, dress down, things you can layer. And I really try to do color palettes to where if you buy two things, you can wear them four different ways because I want you to get like the best use out. Like I have a front zip skirt that you can wear to the side you can wear to the back so you can wear it three different ways and it three different looks if you're on camera nobody thinks it's the same thing so I've thought about all that kind of stuff and also like getting fit models that are curvy that like have a gut you know like my fit I had to change out my fit model because the first one I felt like didn't necessarily echo the body that I felt like I wanted women to, to when it was getting fit to to know I was like I need back fat I need you know, a little poop, a little poopa. Like I need yes. a model to have that so that these yeah. girls have a realistic view of what they're going to see themselves in. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's important. <laughs> yeah. Body inclusivity, body positivity, all of these things. Like people need to realize if you're fuller figured, you don't have just one thing. You don't need to wear sweatpants or wide leg pants or things like that all the time. Mm-hmm. You can look cute and feel good in your clothing. Yeah. And I've had a few women reach out and say, well, Nina, like, cause I make my clothes a little sexy. It's less I just decided I didn't want to make a clothing line that was going to hide your shape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are so many plus size clothing lines that hide you. This mm-hmm. just my collection wasn't going to be the one that did that. So there are some women who are like, oh, like, can you make peplum tops? And I'm like, I made a couple. For the most part, my clothes are not meant to hide you. It's meant to like for you to be able to embrace the beautifulness of your body and not shy away from, we're going to have things that accentuate and that, you know, help, help the angles. We definitely going to have that. But it's just like, I don't want women to hide and I don't want women to feel like because they're plus, they have to dress a certain way. If they offer jeans and a zero, it should be offered in a 24. I don't understand oh, hello. the problem. Agreed. And affordable. Like, I know shade, but it doesn't have to be Saks Fifth Avenue uh, prices. Exactly. Exactly. Um, we, we like the Macy's prices. Nina, this has been such an incredible conversation. We love having you here and the realness that you brought to our table. We appreciate it. I know. It's nice. Thank you guys for having me so much. Of course. (laughs) With you, we do want to do a super quick rapid fire. Like, this is a legitimate rapid fire. And we're going to say, hot or not, some of the, you know, trends and gossip that has been crossing our news feeds and our Twitter feeds. Black Twitter is hot (laughs) so we just want to kind of get your take like hot or not scammer or robin hood a couple of things that we have for you so let us know what you're thinking so just hot or not yeah hot or not okay okay what do we think about this kim kardashian and pete davidson relationship is it hot or is it a not do you have a meh meh. we'll take a meh meh. we'll take a meh you know i I don't care you know i'm like (laughs) agreed yeah a moment but why hear you yeah Okay, <laughs> surviving Sophia the scammer. Did you see that on the Twitter? I saw it. Purposely avoided it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are some things I just can't. Di- I cannot dive into things on Twitter anymore. And so I have to say, not only because I didn't read it all, so okay. mm-hmm. I, I I know the bones of it. I chose to not get involved. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Sean Mendez and Camila Cabello. Uh, not. Not. Goodbye. Yeah, hear, hear, that, hear that. And mm-hmm. last but not least, the hashtag Free Britney movement. Okay, should the pop star retire or should she keep on making those hits now that she's free as a bird? Oh, you know, I love Britney and she's been through a lot. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want her to do what makes her happy. She hasn't even been able to buy candles, she said, in 13 years. So yeah, yeah. I want her to live her best possible life in the most healthy way possible. Yes. Okay, girl, be hot. Hot girl, Brittany. Love hot. It. Hot, hot for sure. <laughs> Name of the new album, Hot. Yes. <laughs> All right. We like to end each podcast with some iteration of this question. My black is A-list because. Ooh. My black is A-list because it is authentic. 
Mm, yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> it is. This is a very authentic chat. This is yeah. Well, yeah. This is a very real chat. Yes. <laughs> really appreciate you coming through. No, I appreciate you guys for having me. Truly, honestly, it was a stressful day, so this has been a, a pleasure. Oh, love to hear that. We got you. We love to see that. <laughs> you know, it's nothing like black women that just pull you. You know what I mean? Make you feel good. Be making my yes. day. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Anytime you guys want me to come back, I will come back. You just let me know. Done. The Table is Ours is produced by us, Kirby Dixon and Amira Lawali. This episode was also produced by Aisha Jordan and edited by Myron Kaplan. Our researcher is Emma Fredericks. Our supervising producer is McKamey Lynn, and our executive producers are Jesse Katz and Ted Butler. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.